How's it going, my fellow history scholars? Welcome back to the podcast where we talk about the unanswered questions of history and unravel the mystery of the many questions we ask about our past. I'm your host again today, and welcome back, Ian. Ian, you want to say hi? Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Uh, today's episode is going to be about the Bavarian Illuminati. Yep, the real Illuminati, and not the bullshit that we often hear about them in society. All right, but again, before we begin, I'd like to remind you guys that you can check the Facebook page for information on the episodes, as well as to ask questions and to stay up to date on information concerning the podcast. And then uh, don't forget to show your support for this podcast by donating on Anchor, the awesome podcast server we use to make all of these episodes possible. And then in the end, we're going to give some shout outs to those of some of you guys who have uh, been following the page and been staying up to date with that. And uh, we thank you for the support we've been having with that. We are now at 68, almost 69. I, I, it was like 68 or 69 followers last time I checked. So for uh, the short time that we've been around, that's uh, that's pretty good. And I don't really have any complaints about that. And then uh, our first live episode, too. So uh, bear with us as we're still trying to figure all this stuff out. And then... Uh, you guys just see uh, that screen right now, but uh, there's a software I can pay for, so it'll eventually see you guys, or it'll let you guys see us eventually as well. <laughs> were you going to say so something? Yeah, we're working with what we got, so yeah, I was going to say we're working with what we got, but uh, hopefully it uh, turns out all right. Yeah, all right. So again, today we're going to be talking about the infamous Brotherhood of the Illuminati as uh, one of the wor- world's most famous and uh, often misunderstood brotherhoods. And uh, they've often been accused of everything from plotting the new world order to infiltrating the high ranks of society. So today we're going to debunk some of these myths surrounding the Illuminati. And then we're going to tell you what the true true Illuminati really is. All right. So, uh, Ian, if you don't have anything, let's get right into it. No, I, I, I just think it's funny that... Uh... The Illuminati, the Illuminati's ideals are are pretty much the opposite of all the all this all the conspiracies they made out to be. Yeah, exactly. They're really not what they're made out to be. But we will tell you who they were and what they did. So let's hop into it. Back. All right. So hopping right back into the Illuminati. So the Illuminati were essentially the the enlightened, and that's what their name means. And it was a name given to them by, uh, or sorry, it was actually a name given to several groups, both real and fictionist. And uh, historically, the name usually actually usually actually refers to the Bavarian Illuminati, which was an Enlightenment era secret society founded on May first, seventeen seventy six, in Bavaria, Germany, by a man named Adam Weishfeld. And then uh, we have his picture there on the the Facebook stream, so you guys can see him. And uh, I found it interesting that it wasn't just one group, but it was actually a combination of several real groups, and then obviously the the bullcrap that they've been given for for all the stuff that they're really not. So uh, they they definitely were a very real order, but uh, they're they're not what they're often made out to be. And uh, actually, they were just a small group that was formed in uh, Bavaria by a German professor who wanted to uh, make uh, an order besides the ones that were around in this day. He uh, tried to join Freemasonry, but uh, Freemasonry wouldn't really 
accept him or uh they he got in blue lodge and he went through all his blue lodge degrees but he was a essentially an outcast almost in the the freemasons and so uh he he decided to form his own order because uh the freemasons wouldn't accept his ideas and so uh that's the birth of the bavarian illuminati and uh, bavaria germany that's where we see him so you were talking about his ideals um would you like to elaborate what uh, illuminati's ideals are what they're built on yeah so pretty much their main goals or to say were uh were to oppose superstition obscuritism religious influence over public life and then the abuses of state power which were so often the order of the day and uh, they often wrote in their uh, general statutes that our order is to put an end to the machinations of the purveyors of injustice and to control them without dominating them so they were essentially enlightenment thinkers who brought about scientific ideals and ideas and uh, that's what they were dedicated to they wanted to share scientific ideas that were often contrary to uh the so-called established order of the day, which was really the church. And uh, often the church would uh, neglect them and uh, really persecuted them because their ideas were contradictory to popular church teaching. I think that I find that really funny because it says to like oppose superstition, obscure antism and uh, influence over public life. When all the conspiracy theories find the Illuminati to be very superstitious and obscure uh, cult almost. Yeah, exactly. They are very much the opposite of what they're made out to be. They were, they're, they're not a very big order. They're not a very manipulative order. They're a very small, they were a very small order. In fact, quite the opposite. And, uh, they were dedicated to scientific truth and not superstitious hocus pocus. Like they've often, often been, uh, portrayed. And, uh, again, the abuses of state power. So, you know, we, talked about the Knights Templar, we've talked about the Freemasons, we've talked about the Rosicrucians, and uh, how all these orders were persecuted by by the church, the Catholic Church at the time, and their, uh, the, the abuses of state power within the Catholic, Catholic Church. And that's why these orders were formed, especially the Illuminati, to go against this abuse of the state power and to really oppose the, the religious influence and the, the strong grip it had over public life and everything in general during that time period. Yeah, I believe like the main issue of the Catholic Church at the time was their their strict conformity rules where they needed everyone to to believe in the same thing and like not nothing not a lot like it is today. Like it's very different today. Yep, exactly. Right. So pretty much the Illuminati, along with Freemasonry, who we've already talked about, and uh, on the other secret societies we've actually talked about as well, were outlawed through an edict by Charles Theodore, who was the elector of Favaria. And uh, this was with, obviously, the encouragement of the Catholic Church. And so in 17, I think that's supposed to be 1784, uh, through 1790, uh, pretty much in the following years, the group was vilified by conservatives and critics claimed that they even continued underground and were even responsible for stuff like the French Revolution. So again, the superstition stuff started all the way back even when they were formed because uh, they they were not a secret society, but a society with secrets. And they any secret's a bad secret. And that's the essential claim pretty much is, uh, oh, well, if they're not willing to share, then it must be something bad and they must be uh, up to no good. And so that's where a lot of this stuff comes around. But really, it's just to 
to protect their beliefs and their uh, their way of life and the the way that they look at life. Because uh, if the church had found out, they would have been excommunicated or even uh, persecuted, burned at the stake, like so many different societies before them were. They were going through the same thing, and uh, this yeah. wasn't just in Germany, but all across Europe and uh, a whole good chunk of the world. Exactly, and like so many different societies were forced underground. So. How exactly do you think they continued their religion without anyone uh, continued their practices without any interference with the Catholic Church? And that's why the secret societies were formed. Or I don't even I don't even like that term. I always say society with secrets. That's why they are yeah. so covered in uh, obscurity and uh, shrouded in mystery. And often mystery brings about uh, hatred and uh, misunderstanding. That's the sad truth about it. And so specifically talking about, oh, sorry, you can go. Sorry, I was just going to say, <laughs> like, um, how do you think, how do you think they're able to keep their society so secret? Do you think they had like their own uh, lodges that they kept hidden or like uh, places during the day would normally be like a bar and then at night it's turned into a lodge or something? I love that you brought up the bar part because that's exactly how the Freemasons started in America, more or less. But it's with the, the Goose and Gridiron Grill, which was a was was a bar, and then uh, on on the top room of the bar was a uh, was a Mason's Lodge, and uh, that Mason's Lodge was uh, supposedly responsible for the the Boston Tea Party. And so uh, I'm I'm sure that the Illuminati, uh -huh. because uh, they are shrouded in a lot more mystery than a. Uh, societies like the the Rosicrucians and Freemasons so they're a little bit harder to understand but I would have to assume that they did stuff very similar to the, the Freemasons and the Rosicrucians and the fact that they would again like you, like you were saying create lodges or use public rooms and then when they weren't in use do their own rituals and practice their own beliefs yeah there was Definitely one thing in particular that they did use, though. And uh, I won't get into that. If you had something to say, you can go ahead. No, no, no. Go right ahead. All right. So this was uh, actually called the Invisible College. And it, uh, the Illuminati have also been assumed to have been in contact with this organization known as the Invisible College. And essentially, the Invisible College, uh, its members were actually encouraged to be members to uh, – or sorry, to belong to such secret societies like the Illuminati. And uh, the Illuminati, in turn, also encouraged its members to gain knowledge and infiltrate power structures. So uh, I'll get into the Illuminati more in a bit, but I just wanted to establish this connection first because uh, it's very loose, to say the least, but uh, the ideals of the Invisible College and the ideals of the Illuminati and... Uh, how similar they are. It's uh it's almost undeniable that they may have been connected with the invisible college. But we'll get into them a little bit later. I do want to say first that uh many actually influential intellectuals and progressive politicians counted themselves as members of the Illuminati, including uh Ferdinand of Brunswick, the diplomat the diplomat Franz Xavier von Swatch. Yeah, sorry, I not German. I don't know how to say like hardly any of these names. <laughs> and then that's, uh, a, that's a very interesting name. Yeah, that's that's quite a name. I would not want to try to spell that and 
kindergarten. You imagine? <laughs> and then uh, the order is second in command. He was the order second in command. And then uh, also men like uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goth. You guys might recognize his name. His name. Um, Johann Gottfried Herder, and then the, the reigning Duke of Gotha and Weimar, and then even maybe William Petty, uh, Boyle, Arnold Bolt, Gerald Bolt, Cressy, Dymock, and then Gabriel Platt. And then uh, if some of these names don't sound familiar to you at, at all, it's because uh, a lot of them were very powerful and uh, influential men in Germany at their time. So, so it is interesting. So the way Illuminati is depicted today is like having all this influence over the government. And, and, and I feel like that is somewhat true to the, the real Illuminati where they want to get their, they want to find influence and, in, and, in, uh, and power and power structures like you were saying. Yep, exactly. So, and they really did too. They really did get members that were progressive politicians and really, big intellectuals of their time. And uh, that was the Illuminati themselves. Like we said, uh, they influenced, they, God, I can't talk, sorry. They uh, infiltrated political structures and secret societies. Uh, a lot of them were actually uh, Masons as well. Rosicrucian members, um, all these different societies, uh, the Illuminati tried to infiltrate, infiltrate to, uh, to grow their membership. And so uh, that's just the Illuminati itself. That's not, including people who were uh, also belonging to uh, other orders or other governments and political structures at the time. So uh, their numbers eventually would grow pretty substantially. That's very interesting. All right. So no, sorry. <laughs> do you want to talk more about the, uh, the Invisible College itself? Yeah, I do want to get into that because uh, the Invisible College has often been associated with the Illuminati. And uh, it was especially brought up during, uh, I mentioned Dan Brown on the behind the scenes episode, if you guys were able to watch that one. And uh, he actually mentioned it in his book, Angels and Demons. And so that's kind of where I got interested in the idea between this connection. And I went back and I did the historical research and uh, it was actually pretty interesting what I was able to find. And so... Let's get right into that. All right, so jumping right into the Invisible College. The Invisible College is sometimes associated with the Illuminati and is a term used for a small community of interacting scholars who often met face-to-face, -face, exchanged ideas, and encouraged each other. The Invisible College has often been described as a precursor group to the Royal Society of London. And has actually consisted of a number of natural philosophers around Robert Boyle. And you guys might remember him. We talked about him with uh, the Illuminati. And so uh, right off the bat here, we see, uh, we see a connection. And the fact that uh, the Invisible College and the Illuminati were both groups of essentially scholars who had very specific ideas and uh, thoughts about society and life and uh, scientific enlightenment, which was the big fad during this time period. Yeah, and uh, was the Invisible College a secret society, or was that, or are they not secret at all? They very much started off as a almost secret society. I don't like the word secret society again, but uh, they were a group <laughs> yeah. that were uh, they they were a group that were not as known in uh in their time as they are today, 
And uh, obviously, again, that's because of the Catholic Church and the persecution they would uh, give these people who uh, had different ideas that were contrary to popular church teaching. And so, yes, they did essentially start off almost as a secret society. But like I said, they actually expanded into uh, what is today a very popular Royal Order of the Society of London. And uh, the Royal Society is very well known in London. It's a group of very, very good scholars and very professional scholars. Wow. So, uh, yes, they started off as that, but they, would, uh, they wouldn't stay that way. So it has not only been suggested that members included prominent figures later closely concerned with the Royal Society, but actually that several groups preceded the formation of the Royal Society, including, get this, the Rosicrucian, Rosicrucians and uh, Francis Bacon's House of Solomon which was mentioned by Ben Johnson and is often very closely related in meaning. So I like how all of these episodes that we've been doing yeah. are connecting together. That brings us back to the Rosicrucians yeah, when we talk the about them. Yeah, Ben Johnson and uh, Francis Bacon's House of Solomon. Uh, I put up that picture of, uh, of that Rosicrucian plate on the, the Facebook page. And uh, that's actually a reference to Francis Bacon's uh, House of Solomon. And his House of Solomon was very similar, if not the exact same thing as the Invisible College or the Royal Society. They had the exact same ideals. They had uh, the same exact structure almost. So it's almost, uh, it's almost undeniable that these two were almost the same thing. And so that's why I bring up Francis Bacon's House of Solomon, because that's where this idea for the Invisible College really started. And then uh, obviously the Illuminati would stretch their influence into uh, into the Invisible College as well. Mm. So it shouldn't surprise you that the society's common theme was to acquire knowledge through experimental investigation and that its members often involved themselves in such stated scientific practices as alchemy and uh, were actually described as being intensely interested in profiting from the sciences. And so again, that common theme of scientific enlightenment and scientific ideals and uh, the invisible college and uh, it's uh, the Illuminati as well. They were both very adamant about this idea. And so the fact alone that their ideals were more or less the same is almost like finding a friend that is uh, the same as you and not uh, not sticking with each other and hanging out. That's how I see it. Yeah. So, do, yeah. So, it, it, would it be would it be too bold to assume that uh, a lot of these societies like almost kind of joined each other? No, they were very intermingled. The Rosicrucians and uh, the Freemasons, for one, like we talked about them. That's just one example. Remember, the Scottish Rite has the, the Order of the Rosecroix, which is a reference to the Rosicrucians. So these orders very much intermingled with each other and very much shared the same ideas and often uh, got together and uh, pursued these ideals together. So it is uh, almost out of the question. Again, it's like uh, it's like finding a friend that... Uh, shares the same ideas as you and uh, you, you guys like the same stuff and uh, not, not sticking with each other and hanging out. That's to put it in uh, layman's terms, obviously. 
All right. So the Invisible College has since been considered in reference to the lobby parliament or the centralized communication center established in the Hartlib circle created by a member of the London-based intelligence, Sir Samuel Hartlib. So uh, essentially this man, Samuel Hartlib, who was a intelligencer or, uh, or essentially a spy, was a... Uh, was the one responsible for creating what's known as a Hartlib circle. And the Invisible College has often been associated with this circle or this group of men because uh, the Hartlib circle was uh, created out of the Invisible College and uh, became the Invisible College itself. And uh, they they ruled through a, a lobby parliament or uh, they got together and they decided stuff. And then uh, the centralized communication center where they would all get together, that's what the Invisible College is. It's not an actual building, but it's where they would get together and share their ideas. It was this group of men. It was uh, the Hartlib Circle, not an actual building that the Invisible College was. So, so the lobby parliament uh, and the Invisible College aren't the same thing. They are the same thing. The lobby parliament is how the or the Illuminati, the Invisible College. Uh, that's how they were structured was almost through a lobby parliament type system where they had a centralized communication center and they would get together and vote on different ideas and, uh, different actions that their order was to take. So the Hartlib circle is very important. So what... Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. The, the Hartlib Circle is very important because it's uh, it, it was this group of men that, that got together, and uh, they were the core of the Invisible College. They weren't uh, the, the full extent of the Invisible College, but they were the ones that were primarily responsible for this lobby parliament system that they would use to uh, decide the order's decisions. And the centralized communication center, they were the ones that would establish that and that were at the core of this group of gentlemen and scholars that would get together and be a part of the invisible college. So they kind of had their own, their own kind of government uh, system within their own society. Well, yeah, it's very much like a club and how it's structured with a president, a vice president and secretary and so on. And uh, that the very similar system, because uh, obviously you're not going to figure anything out if uh, you're just disputing. And so there has to be some kind of, organizational structure or uh, the, the parliament in this case that is responsible for forming these decisions into actions. Yeah. So that's so essentially would you say, what it is. Would you say this parliament that they, so would you say this parliament they created was, was similar or a uh, very different structure to the government of the society as a whole at the time? I'm sorry. I just I was looking at the Facebook thing. Could you repeat that? <laughs> so the, their government system within their society, would you say it was uh, very representative of the government system of to society as a whole, or very different because it reflected their ideals? Oh, almost exactly the opposite. And uh, the idea of a parliament was uh, what what actually eventually go on to find found uh, ideas like the the constitutional structure of America. So a parliament in itself was a very different idea of ruling and making decisions than what was popular at the time because uh, 
you got to take in mind that just before this, the the medieval age and the dark age was primarily ruled by kings and uh, and popes who had a uh, who had one person pulling all the strings in uh, all these different countries. So the idea that everybody could get together and everybody could have a share in ideas and concepts for the order was very different from the government structures that were existing at this time. Exactly. So what would you say, uh, which, which came first, the Invisible College or the uh, Illuminati? The Illuminati actually surprised me because they are younger than all the organizations we have talked about. They're younger than the Freemasons, you're younger than the Rosicrucians, and yeah, they're actually younger than the Invisible College itself. The, the Invisible College was started in the, the mid-1600s, whereas uh, the Illuminati was established again in 1776 or the late 1700s. Oh, wow. And I'll get back on that date because uh, I, I, I'm sure some of you are like, wait, 1776? What? Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you guys are probably thinking. All right. And uh, although the Invisible College was created before the Illuminati were even in existence, it is likely that they heard about the society and possible that Illuminati members could have infiltrated the Invisible College. Again, the idea that uh, two people sharing the same ideas and not, uh, not becoming friends or closely related is a... Uh, Almost uh, unbelievable. So uh, they essentially shared, again, the same ideals and symbolism. And that, that actually, even like the Freemasons, the group probably intermingled with a lot of these organizations. And so I do want to get into uh, their connection with Freemasonry as well, because uh, Adam Weishwalt had an interesting connection with the Freemasons. All right. So let's jump right into their connection with the Freemasons. Sorry for the interruption of the podcast, but we will be right back after a short message from our sponsor. All right, so jumping right into the connection with the Freemasons. So uh, Freemasonry and the Illuminati have often been tied together. And uh, this is actually because of their belief system, uh, their symbolism, and uh, their common enlightenment ideals. And uh, Adam Weishwalt himself actually founded the order after finding that Freemasonry had uh, had been too expensive for him and it was not open to his ideas. And we uh, touched on that a little bit in the beginning. And so uh, he essentially founded what was uh, the Illuminati or his own society with his own agenda. And uh, it was supposed to have a system of ranks and grades that were actually based on those in Freemasonry and uh, very similar to Freemasonry. They were littered with Masonic symbols and the Masonic undertones, and uh, the Illuminati itself is very much almost like an offshoot of Freemasonry. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of societies are built upon the same ideas as ideals as Freemasonry. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see that uh, he was having trouble with Freemasonry due to its expense. And they weren't open to his ideas, of course. I don't think that's the same today because uh, dues aren't terribly expensive. But uh, I'm sure definitely back then times were different. So I did find that interesting. I think it wasn't so much the money aspect, though, as it was uh, them not being open to his ideas. I think uh, I think that was definitely the big player in this decision of his to make his own order. Yeah. 
All right. So again, having difficulty dissuading his members from joining the Freemasons, Adam Weishvelt had decided to join the order himself and to acquire material to expand upon his own rituals for the Illuminati. He was uh, admitted early in February to the Freemasons in 1777, but his progress through Blue Lodge Masonry, and we touched on that, was uh, actually taught him nothing of the higher degrees he had thought, sought to exploit. And uh, he was actually later persuaded that his order should enter into friendly relations with the Freemasons. And so uh, originally, uh, again, he actually discouraged Illuminati members from uh, from joining the Freemasons. And uh, he almost didn't like the Freemasons because of the rejection they they gave him. But uh, if they, he knew that if they needed to grow that, they were going to need to touch on these older orders and uh, take the teachings and lessons from these older orders and uh, incorporate it into uh, the Illuminati. So that's why this connection with uh, with Freemasonry is so important because a lot of the symbols and a lot of the stuff that the Illuminati had was adopted from orders like the Freemasons. It's almost like it's, it's Freemasons like child. Yeah. And uh, I actually, it's, it's weird to me because I always, or at least my original thought of the Illuminati was that it was a much older order than all of these uh, all these other orders that we talked about. So it was surprising to me when I found out that actually it was the youngest of all of them, and that the Rosicrucians, the Freemasons, and all the other ones we talked about were a lot older than the Illuminati. And what's interesting to me is that the Illuminati has been around for less period of time, but you hear more less you hear less about the Illuminati than you do the Freemasons, even though the Illuminati is much newer. Yeah, that's definitely a, an interesting thing as well. You would think uh, the Freemasons, who have been around uh, much longer, exactly like you were saying, would uh would definitely be more the subject to superstition than the Illuminati. But uh, obviously, uh, Tomb Raider and uh, Indiana Jones and all of them uh, changed that. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't even think the Illuminati was mentioned in Indiana Jones, so I can't say that. I know it was in Tomb Raider, and uh, that kind of made me mad. But uh, again, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into those connections a little bit later, and uh, the the influence they supposedly play today with the New World Order. <laughs> All right, so getting back into yeah, exactly. uh, getting back into the Freemasons, the thing that I actually found most interesting was actually the interchangeable symbolism between these orders. Uh, actually, for example, you know the Eye of Providence or the All Seeing Eye, uh, most commonly associated with the back of the dollar bill, or uh, the yeah. Great Seal of the United States. Uh, actually, the origin of that symbol uh, lies in Christian iconography. It was a uh, originally a Christian symbol. And uh, adopted by the Illuminati and the Freemasons because uh, it showed the the eye often surrounded by rays of light or glory, and it was uh, obviously usually enclosed by the triangle, and uh, it was supposed to represent the eye of God watching over humanity. But being a scientific order dedicated to enlightenment, the Illuminati and the the Freemasons took this, turned it around, and actually made it the concept of divine providence and scientific enlightenment. And again, both those ideals are very prevalent in both of those orders. That's just one symbol, too. I think that's obviously the most uh, the most known symbol, especially associated with the Illuminati, was uh, the all-seeing eye. It's not a uh, it's not the Illuminati watching over everything. It's uh, it's uh, 
the idea of scientific enlightenment and uh, God's hand in nature watching over everything. And I think that symbol is like where a lot of these conspiracy theories like originate because you see it everywhere and then you see its influence everywhere and then you immediately turn to the Illuminati and, and associate it with like bad things because you don't understand why you're seeing this symbol so much. Yeah, exactly. Often things that are misunderstood are subject of uh, persecution and uh, hysteria. And so uh, the all-seeing eye is definitely one of those symbols. And uh, I, well, I, I'm trying to figure out how I'm saying this. I guess I just find it interesting that uh, this symbol is used by both the Freemasons and the Illuminati and that uh, they have a, a common symbol background. But after doing the research, it doesn't really surprise me as much now because, uh, again, the Illuminati borrowed a lot of their stuff from orders like the Freemasons. Yeah. So I do want to get into a... So, oh, sorry. <laughs> you can go. Sorry, no, you go ahead. No, you go. Okay, okay. I was gonna say, did you want to talk more about the uh, <clears throat> the ideal uh, expressed the ideas of uh, scientific enlightenment? Yeah. What do you What do you want to get into? Uh, just like what's that all about? Like, how do they uh, how they express like their rituals and uh, all their influence? You know. I will say, uh, I, I'm, I think I'm going to mention it a little bit later, but uh, the symbol of the Illuminati, or at least another symbol of the Illuminati, was the Owl of Minerva. And um, if you guys don't know, Minerva was the, the Roman equivalent of Athena in the Greek legend, or the, the goddess of wisdom. And uh, it makes a lot of sense with the Illuminati that uh, they would borrow on a lot of these older symbols and uh, the Owl of Minerva is supposed to represent this idea of wisdom and seeking scientific truth. Because, again, a lot of the superstition back then was centered around Christian teachings. And so uh, often stuff that was misunderstood was uh, said to have been created by the devil or uh, that God's hand was in play. And uh, the Illuminati turned that around. They said, uh, no, there's got to be a natural process and a scientific way in which all this stuff happens. And uh, the church, obviously not liking that, uh, persecuted them for it. But the idea of scientific enlightenment was pr pretty much saying that uh, scientific processes and natural processes could explain away a lot of the phenomena and uh, natural cycles of nature that were often attributed to God or Satan or religious superstition. So that's where the idea comes from. How are we? How are we doing on time? We're not doing too bad. I'm just worried about my phone dying because it's not charging. <laughs> oh, wait, there we go. Uh, our power went out the other night, and so my phone is my main source of everything right now. And so that does we're we're not in good situation, but uh, I think I got it working again. All right, that's wonderful. All right. Yeah, we had, a, we had a couple issues last night with the, the power outage just going off. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, Ian's not seeing any backlight right now with me because I, I don't have anything but sunlight right now. 
I do want to get into a, a few more symbols that are often associated and connected between the Illuminati and the Freemasons. And uh, a lot of these symbols are actually related, not, not to the orders, but to themselves. And uh, these include the pyramid, the obelisk, and uh, the pentagram. And then obviously there's other symbols among a multitude more. And uh, they're shared not only between the Illuminati and the Freemasons, but also among many similar orders who all use these symbols to describe the ideals and express scientific enlightenment or the ideas of scientific enlightenment. And so the pyramid, the obelisk, and the pentagram, what do these have to do with scientific enlightenment? Well, I can tell you at least for sure that the pyramid and the obelisk are get this connected to ancient Egypt. That probably shouldn't surprise you. And uh, the idea that uh, ancient Egypt, having been around for thousands of years, had to have found something that uh, that kept them alive. And so they almost uh, hailed back to the days of Egypt when uh, these great civilizations were built on uh, the invention of technology and stuff that... Uh, that was unseen in other parts of the world. And that's what they were going for was uh, they were borrowing all this idea of uh, ancient cultures and ancient civilizations and the technology that they developed and the, the wisdom and esotericism that they created and bringing it back to the modern day, or at least the modern day when the Illuminati was around and using it to express their own ideas, which they thought were very similar to what the Egyptians or the Greeks or the Romans would have, thought as well back then. So that's what the pyramid and the obelisk represent is the, the ancient wisdom of ancient Egypt and all these ancient civilizations. And then uh, the pentagram... Yeah, Sorry, you can go. <laughs> I, I just think it's crazy that they're, they're, uh, the society's ideals are, are built on these ancient, ancient societies that are long before their government... Uh, even started yeah exactly they definitely borrowed on thousands and thousands of years of human civilization and uh they they saw meaning in it and uh often the church at the time didn't do that they only thought about the then and now and uh nothing before the birth of christ almost and so that's why these exactly. guys hailed back to these ancient symbols of these great civilizations, because they did do a lot. And they're the reason why we're all here today talking about this kind of stuff. So I do want to get into the pentagram as well, because the pentagram is a little bit different than symbols like the pyramid and the obelisk, because the pentagram represents uh that's often associated with the devil, but that's the church's persecution of the symbol, which was originally seen as the star of Venus, the, the heavenly body of Venus. You guys know the planet Venus and uh, the pentagram itself. The symbol of the, the upside down star is uh, supposed to represent the orbit of Venus because it's believed that actually at a certain time period, the, the orbit of Venus made this pentagram shape in the sky when it was going through uh, the, the motions of gravity. And uh, again, the idea of these heavenly bodies and these planets uh, are very strongly connected with scientific enlightenment because they were looking to the stars. They were seeing that the earth, which was often seen as uh, the center of the universe was really not. And that uh, 
all these different planets had their own independent motions. And uh, these were all heavenly bodies, very similar to Earth, but very different. And that there were thousands of these different stars and planets that were often just seen as these lights in the sky for the longest time, but were finally explored by orders like the Illuminati and uh, people who were dedicated to the scientific enlightenment. And so that's what that represents is the stars and the planet Venus specifically and uh, its reflection to the ideas of scientific enlightenment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, quite, it's quite contrary to the beliefs on, on conspiracy theories today, like uh, devil worship and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's where the church turns it around and makes it something evil. And that's why the Illuminati has been deemed as such an evil organization plotting the end of the world, is because the church at the time had turned uh, the ideas of scientific enlightenment around on these orders and made it seem like it was an evil thing. That's why there's all this superstition. Exactly. All right. So next, I do want to get into scientific enlightenment itself, and I do want to talk about some of these ideas, what they were, and uh, really how they impacted society at the time, and uh, especially with their connection to the Illuminati. So let's hop right into that. All right. So scientific enlightenment. So as an Enlightenment-era secret society, the Illuminati's main goal was essentially the pursuit of what is known as scientific enlightenment, or bringing science into what was then a superstitious world. This movement is what helped create the United States and was actually spawned from the similar scientific revolution. You guys may be familiar with that from school. That's immediately what I think of as like Galileo and Isaac Newton and all these figures that were very influential in creating uh, our society today. But again, it's not just dedicated to uh, to science, but it's also heavily based on the Enlightenment or uh, political ideas as well. And so uh, even the government structure of countries like the United States and eventually France after the French Revolution were heavily based off these ideas, not only of scientific revolution, but the Enlightenment. And uh, the Illuminati were the head worshippers of this new idea, essentially. And uh, again, this would create such things as the United States government today. And a lot of the stuff that you see around today is was brought about by the scientific revolution. So what era exactly did the uh, scientific revolution take place? The scientific revolution was 16, 1700s. So... Uh, the Enlightenment was very much still around during the time of the, the founding of the United States in 1776. And so, again, that's why those ideals were the foundation for America. So, the 1600s, 1700s. Yeah, that's where that date comes up again. Yep, we'll get into that eventually. <laughs> we're getting there. Yep. Uh, and actually, in fact, some of the symbols of the Illuminati reflect these ideals of scientific enlightenment, such as the all-seeing eye, which we talked about. And uh, they're often uh, commonly associated with. Plus the fact that they actually the order took their symbol from the Owl of Minerva. And we talked about that, the Greco-Roman goddess of wisdom. 
And uh, actually their grades or their degrees essentially were based off of uh, this idea of uh, the Miner owl of Minerva. And uh, they were actually called uh, the three grades of the novice. They're called uh, they're called novice. They're not degrees in the Illuminati. Where uh, it was actually split up, split up into only two, and the the lower one was the Minerval, and then the higher one was the Illuminated Minerval. And so, based off again the goddess Minerva, or the Roman equivalent of the Greek Athena. The Illuminati was what brought the ancient world into the modern world. And they took the ideas of ancient civilizations and combined them with ideas of the modern scientific enlightenment. Yeah. And um, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like a throwback to when you're talking about the, the Egyptians as well. Um, but getting into the scientific revolution, do you want to talk more about that? Yeah, so the, essentially the scientific revolution uh, began during the 17th century, or the 1600s again, and, uh, it became a and it became a catalyst for a new philosophy, and it was one that permeated every level of human society and placed the emphasis for change on humanity rather than intangible gods. So again, this conflict between the Catholic Church and uh, the scientific ideas were, which were heavily based on humanity in itself. And uh, actually, the age of the Enlightenment was a phrase actually coined by such German philosophers like Adam Weishaupt. They brought it about the age of the Enlightenment, and uh, they actually coined the phrase. So there's uh, the Illuminati showing their influence during the scientific revolution. <laughs> Again, it's this conflict between man and God. They uh, they changed the idea that everything was only based on God and uh, God's will for humanity. And uh, said, uh, no, we're humans and we have power over our own lives. And not everything is caused by God, but can also be explained by natural processes. And so that's what the scientific revolution was, was this change from heavy belief in the church to establishing scientific principles and ideas for natural philosophy. And that's what, uh, that's actually what science was originally called was philosophy natural or uh, natural philosophy. So it was based on the environment and nature. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Were you going to say no, something? No, you're good. I just, I just find it funny. <laughs> Practically the same exact thing. Yeah. So they also strongly believed in the idea of uh, individual enlightenment or the radical idea that differences and disagreements should be allowed to emerge out of the common enlightenment themes of rational questioning and belief in progress through dialogue. So not just saying, no, this is the only way that this can happen. This is the only explanation. They were able to sit down develop rational questions, and uh, figure stuff out through dialogue. They were able to sit down, have a good conversation, and not fight with each other or excommunicate people like the church was often did. It was taking the, the power and the grip of the church and giving it to the people and letting the people decide for themselves, essentially. 
that's a lot, that's a lot different than uh, what the Catholic Church was doing. No, exactly. There, no, zero way or the highway, essentially. If you didn't believe in uh, the the teachings of the Catholic Church, then you were deemed outside of society and persecuted. Take this around and uh, flip it the other way, and let the people decide for themselves. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a common thing, a theme along a lot of the secret societies. Uh, where they where they didn't where they allowed more power to the people. Exactly. And then uh, you also got to keep in mind that all these ideas were deemed very radical for their time, and were often very contrary to popular church teaching, like we've been talking about. And uh, Europe, especially, was just barely beginning to emerge from the medieval and dark ages, like we've been saying. And uh, they were radically controlled by the church, and so uh, their emerging ideas were often deemed a threat by the existing institutions. And so uh, pretty much what we've been saying was uh, the change from uh, the medieval and dark ages to this new age of uh, the control by the people, by the people, for the people. Thus, the, the Constitution of the United States, the Declaration of Independence, based on these ideas of uh, scientific enlightenment and uh, the Enlightenment age in itself, uh, developing out of the control from the church and the grip of the church into uh, control by the people uh, for themselves. We we know that a lot of our founding fathers were Freemasons, but do you believe that a lot of the the original founding fathers may have also been uh, Illuminati members? I don't know if they were Illuminati members, but I do. I, I will say that they were dedicated to the ideas of the Illuminati, because again, the Illuminati was dedicated to the scientific truth, which was permeated through the Rosicrucians, the Freemasons, the Illuminati, all these orders shared that common idea. So uh, if they weren't Illuminati members themselves, they believed in the ideas of the Illuminati and the sense of scientific enlightenment and truth. Yeah. I mean, even if they weren't, the, the influence is still there. Exactly. So kind of wrapping it all up too and uh, getting into some of the conspiracy series because I do want to debunk those. Um, it is often because of these reasons that the Illuminati and many similar so-called secret societies had to go into hiding. Many members of caught going against church teachings and following such enlightenment ideals were brutally persecuted. It is also why the Illuminati has been painted in such a bad light in recent years, heavily misunderstood and accused of more things than the devil himself. Wow. So now that we told so do you, you believe the Illuminati is still going to on today. See, that's a tough question because uh, the Illuminati of today is not the original Illuminati. The Illuminati of today is an evil society bent on retribution, where the the original Illuminati was based on again scientific truth and enlightenment. So, what the real Illuminati is around today? Uh, we're not seeing them because uh, because of all this persecution they've been receiving. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's completely impossible because uh, think about how long the Freemasons have been around and the Rosicrucians. If uh, the Illuminati themselves didn't live on, they could have lived on again, like the Knights Templar through uh, through offshoots of themselves. Their ideals are definitely around today, though. 
So getting into the being accused of more things than the devil himself, let's get into the common myths. Yes, I do want to debunk these. This is going to be my favorite part of this episode. <laughs> getting right into the common myths. And uh, the first one I want to start is, or sorry, the first one I want to start with is uh, the supposed secret influence on the founding of America. Uh, the Illuminati have often been associated and uh, legends abound with references to the dollar bill, especially. And again, the eye of providence or the all seeing eye pictured in the great seal. Many conspiracy theorists claim that this is the Illuminati showing their presence during the founding of America. So, uh, bullcrap. <laughs> um, yes, both orders were founded in the year 1776 and, uh, America was founded in July though, and the Illuminati in May. And, uh, so even go as far as to, uh, say that these orders are still around today and responsible for unspeakable things is, is bullcrap. And, uh, just because they were founded in the same year does not mean they were founded in the same month. does not mean they were at the same stage of development. America was a country. The Illuminati was a small institution of men that gathered together to dedicate themselves to scientific enlightenment on the other side of the ocean. The Illuminati was in Germany and America was all the way across the Atlantic. So the idea that the Illuminati was controlling the founding of America is absolute false. And although the, the, the dates are... Uh, synonymous for the year they're not synonymous for the month the time and the specific day and again getting into the eye of uh, the all-seeing eye on the great seal the all-seeing eye was a popular church symbol especially at that time and uh, it definitely reflected scientific enlightenment and not the new world order or anything evil it was america taking the ideas of the scientific enlightenment and using them to create a test run or a new country in which they could experiment with these ideas. And so the the great, the great seal and uh, the all-seeing eye is nothing evil. It's simply a church symbol that has been uh, adopted as a scientific symbol to represent the scientific enlightenment and the influence that the scientific enlightenment, not the Illuminati, had on the founding of America. It was the ideas, not the Illuminati themselves. And so uh, again, exactly. we've said uh, we've said it before. A lot of the founding fathers, yes, were Freemasons, but the Freemasons are totally different than the Illuminati. And we talked about that. We talked about the differences. Adam Weishfeld was denied by the Freemasons. Freemasons uh, condemned Adam Weishfeld almost, and uh, that's why Adam Weishfeld had to form the Illuminati was because uh, if they had accepted his ideas, he would have been just another Freemason and not the founder of another society. And so, yes, they were Freemasons. Yes, the Freemasons were dedicated to the same ideas as the Illuminati. But the Illuminatis were very much almost the opposite of the Freemasons because the Illuminati were almost condemned by the Freemasons. So uh, I think I said my piece on that one. And uh, Ian, you have anything for founding of America? No, I feel like you covered everything. Got all the angles. I mean, there's really no 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 feasible way the Illuminati had any influence on the founding. If anything, the founding of America had influence over the Illuminati. 
Right. They share the same ideals, yes, but the Illuminati were on the opposite side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into uh, another conspiracy theory. Yeah, so this is another one that I absolutely hate as well. And uh, this is the idea that they're responsible for actions that are going on today. And so, again, many conspiracy theorists also claim that the Illuminati has infiltrated the ranks of popular culture and that they can even be seen in everything from books, movies, music, television shows, and even control celebrities, politicians, and run big corporate companies. So, first of all, I will play devil's advocate against myself, and I will say that they are in books and movies and stuff like that because uh, – we do see them in books like, again, Angels and Demons, and uh, they're often portrayed in uh, movies like uh, Tomb Raider, for one, and uh, tons of other movies. Uh, I think they're probably even somehow mentioned in The Matrix. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. But, again, the Illuminati that has been sculpted today is not the Illuminati as a historical organization. The historical Illuminati was... Yeah, was a group of men dedicated to scientific enlightenment, as we've been saying, saying through this whole episode. The Illuminati that's been described in popular culture is one that's evil and bent on retribution, the exact opposite of what the Illuminati were going for. And if you believe that's the Illuminati, you're believing in the church's persecution against the historical order. And so you're, exact, you're on the exact opposite side of the spectrum in that case. And uh, the idea that they control celebrities, politicians, and run big corporate companies, I won't deny that because scientific enlightenment has played such an important role on what society is today. And enlightenment thinking and free thought should be ideas that celebrities and politicians and these big corporate companies are promoting. The ideas that are often associated with the Illuminati are evil and bent on retribution again. But historical Illuminati and, uh, and the ideas that it represented, I will not deny, are present in today's culture because those are ideas of freedom, free thought, and scientific enlightenment. And I think that's a good thing and the exact opposite of what it's often portrayed as. Exactly. And so, uh, I, they again, they believe the Illuminati is stronger than ever, and it's been uh, it's been hatching some kind of evil plot to take over the world and establish their new world order. Again, it's the exact opposite because uh, the historical Illuminati has almost been completely dissolved, if it's even still here today, by this new Illuminati that's the exact opposite of what the original was. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like they've already had a lot of their ideals met. Like with with, I mean, obviously nothing. Our society isn't perfect, but a lot of uh, hello, are you still there? Hang on, guys. We lost Ian. I'm going to call him back. Give me a second.
All right. We'll wrap this up. And then next week, we'll have another episode on a historical subject. Uh, I'm going to start a new kind of series. And uh, not really a series, but uh, I have a new idea for uh, some episode ideas. And uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I'm actually definitely looking forward to this one because uh, it particularly pertains to uh, some of the stuff going on in my own life. And I'll, I'll be able to tie that in. So, uh, yep, stay tuned for that. And uh, keep listening to the podcast. Thank you, guys. And uh, as usual, I'd like to give a shout out to Anchor, our podcasting service. That's been a miracle in making these episodes. And uh, we really couldn't have done it without it. And again, like we've been saying, besides a few technology issues, it's been uh, it's been pretty good. And uh, again, if you guys have ever wanted to make your own podcast, this is a great service to do that. And I highly recommend it. Uh, but more importantly, I would like to give a shout out to some of you guys as our listeners as we continue to embark on this podcast. And for those of you who have liked and been following the Facebook page as we continue to grow. So uh, we have uh, quite a new few new people and uh, I forgot to get the names and I'm sorry for you guys. Uh, no, that's my bad. But I do want to uh, I do want to shout those new people out that have liked the page and been following the page. We're up to 68 people now, and uh, we're doing pretty well. I think that's a, a good number for uh, having really almost just started. We started, what, in March? And uh, we're, we're going, I think we're growing pretty well. I haven't used uh, even any uh, any ad sponsors or anything to, uh, to promote the page. And so this is all organic growth that we're receiving, and it's awesome to see your guys' support. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, Ian, if you don't have anything else to say, uh, I think we're good. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Yep, all that being said, thanks, guys, and have a nice week. This is Jacob. Ian. All right, Carpe Diem. Carpe Diem.